The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 76 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and joining me today is Fish Sticks, of course. You know and what they say, better late than lover. <laughs> Never. So lover. We, we, spent some, uh, we spent that extra 10 minutes to try to get non-Doomfist on today's show. But of course, we still got Doomfist here. But welcome, ZP. Welcome back. It's good to be back here. Uh, clearly, I have continued my regimen of uh, working out pretty severely and not skipping arm day, while also at the same time trying to figure out what's going on with my webcam mid-show. So, you know, it's a little bit of both. You just like the bro fizz. That's really why uh, <laughs> your it, camera... It's a body image I'll never obtain, really. <laughs> awesome. I want to welcome back to the show our guest, Jacob Wolf from ESPN. He's a reporter there, if you guys don't know. What's up, Jacob? Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be here. Ready to talk some Overwatch. Yeah, man. We were actually wanting to have you on last week just because, you know, you obviously broke some awesome news last week. But, um, you know, some good news again. There's definitely some big news that happened uh, yesterday. So uh, it's just, it's like every week. <laughs> it seems like a pretty yeah, good it's a revolving Yeah, it's a revolving door of the uh, Overwatch news cycle. So it's always, always good to be on the show. Last week I was in New York, so I couldn't make it. But appreciate yeah. the invite as always. Awesome. Well, guys. I just want to mention that today's episode is sponsored by Harry's, which is uh, harrys.com. It's a, it's, it's a shaving uh, website that if you're interested in, in checking out some of their plans there, we're going to go into it a lot more a little bit later, but it's our first sponsor. So we got to give a shout out to Harry's right off the bat. Isn't that amazing? The first leak of the show. We're sponsored. I know. Leaks. Let's know. go. Leaks. Just kidding. No leaks. No leaks. No leaks, guys. You're here <laughs> for leaks. Because if y'all don't leave, it's like, but please. you're not going to get any. <laughs> right, right. So leave now if you. No, no, just kidding. No, don't stay. Stay for the entire show. Uh, no, so we got a lot to talk about today. Obviously, uh, the patch came out today. So, you know, everybody's getting a chance to play Mercy Diva. Junk, uh, not Junkertown yet, but everything um, that we've been talking about on the PTR is out live now. Uh, I've got some OWL news, of course, the, the big one that we're, we're going to definitely dive into. Some other news, too, involving Team Liquid and Disney and some other good stuff, maybe even some um, uh, just some initial thoughts on a 26th hero, or at least the mystery hero. That's the 26th hero. Also, we've got some Overwatch contenders. Week 5. We are, you know, kind of building up to a, a pretty epic weekend last week, so we get a chance to talk about some of those results, and then a little bit of Apex news, something that I've, I didn't, I was reminded of because you know, seeing a, um, a, 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 an article by, you know, Mina Kimes about Gaguri that I just totally forgot to talk about her like on this show. So it's it's definitely way overdue, but there's some timing with her team too. So it, it felt like it was a good time to bring that up on the show. And then we got some Q&A at the end. Got a couple guys that have uh, questions. And if you have any questions to write to us, go ahead and email those to the overview at chamanb.tv and we'll take a look at them and try to get them in each and every week. But let's talk about the game. So Mercy and Diva, all this talk that we've had the last two or three weeks now is finally out in in competitive ladder. So, uh, do you guys get a chance to play it yet? 
Nope. Just got home from work, Chris. Oh, come uh, on. As, you didn't sneak usual. a game in. I mean, there's got there's got to be a place at Twitch that Overwatch is installed that be, everybody can just jump on. It's nope. it's practically the same for me though. Like I <laughs> I just got back. I just got back, and it's like I'm probably gonna play it tonight, but I have not yet. So. I, I've been in an hotel for the better part of six <laughs> weeks, so I have not suck, had the gaming dude. time. I'm- <laughs> I know. That's- One thing I will say is I was playing some ranked games last night. Uh, I think I was playing on Dorado, and I had a Mercy on my team. And he goes, everyone die on the point. I have res. And then, like, there was, like, <laughs> silence for, like, four seconds. And then I, I said, man, that's the last time I'm ever going to hear that phrase. Thank God. Tomorrow. Yes. And he's like, dude, I was thinking the same thing. Like, <laughs> well, you'd so, be surprised finally, because I no more, no more dying on the point. I have res. Well, you know, I, I I would say you are correct, but you know, today when I did get a chance to play Mercy a few times, uh, I was able to three man res in the span of ten seconds or some somewhere close to ten seconds. Maybe it's like twelve or fifteen. It felt like ten seconds, and it, you know, it felt like I was basically team resing. Not quite half, you know, a little bit over half the team, uh, but I do have to say just. I was really excited to get a chance to play Mercy because I haven't gotten a chance to really dive into it on the PTR. But it's fun, man. It's real fun. So I'm going to be uh, enjoying that for a while. I haven't gotten a chance to play D.Va yet. So um, I will say one one thing that the Mercy patch uh, or the Mercy changes make me think will happen is add a new layer of strategy to the character, which is kind of nice. Um, mm-hmm. Using it almost like an empowerment, which is basically what the new ultimate is. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a really cool change because you don't necessarily have to use it for us, right? Like it's it's an empowerment for some of your abilities, and uh, while I think the majority of it will be used mm-hmm. for us just for a similar purpose that it is used now before the patch or previously before the patch, yeah. I do think it adds a little bit more strategy of how you can use Mercy as a character, which is fun. Well, it also evens up the power curve to it too, right? Where it's not putting you into more all-or-nothing type situations and encourages smarter gameplay, particularly when you look at how pubs go down, right? Because you compare your pub gameplay to your competitive gameplay. In competitive gameplay, generally speaking, seeing a huge four or five-man res is pretty rare. I mean, we have seen one of those in contemporaries, but it doesn't really happen that often. Instead, when Mercy is right now, res is used for one, two people at a time, and it's not held. But right now, for lower levels of play, people are incentivized to hold onto it for longer and try and go for like a three, four-man res because they get more contribution, you end up with more SR, so on and so forth. So the changes being made, which make Resurrection a single-target ability, actually does sort of help to even things out between the high and low end for how people play Mercy, to some extent. Yeah. I definitely like the fact that it's not just going to be these giant swings. You know, like when a team actually wins the battle, they will probably win the battle, you know, and, and not have these moments where it's like, oh, well, the other team just literally flipped a, flipped it on them, even though, you know, it was just literally from one Mercy ult. It's kind of crazy to cast it at times too, right, ZP? Will this be better just generally for casting? Well, I mean, as far as casting goes, it's not too bad to predict Mercy reses right now. Well, generally speaking, yeah. it's one of the easier things I'd say to predict cast-wise, where Mercy has res, and then you just focus, when is she going to use the res? Mm-hmm. If anything, it's going to be a little bit more chaotic on the casting end now, mm-hmm. because the res can come in at any point during the course of the game. You're actually going to have to keep an eye on it at all times, not just when Mercy has ult. So yeah. I'd actually say it's the other way around, where mm-hmm. keeping people informed of the gameplay flow of, oh, there's a res here, what does it mean, etc., yeah. well, it's actually going to be a little bit more challenging post-update than before, because before, you could just key in on whether or not ult was up, period, as to whether or not you had to worry about a res. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Totally makes sense. Um, so the other thing too is Junkertown. The guys, I mentioned it kind of in the intro there, but Junkertown isn't going to be available right off the bat. So um, if you do want to try out Junkertown, you still got to go to Quick Play and, and try to queue up on it or maybe win one of the custom games. Uh, but excited to get a chance to do that too because I haven't, uh, I'm excited to see some of the pro uh, games and, you know, in the events we get a chance to play in, in Junkertown too because I've seen all kinds of different play on it so far and I am not sure how it's really going to play out in a, a true environment. It is the widest, openest map. <laughs> it is. By it's super such wide. a huge margin, especially that first point. It's kind of crazy how wide it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's on that's on pause for a week, so you can jump into ranked without uh, at least running into that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the diva changes went live also, yep. which are e- I would say equally, if not actually more significant than mercy, simply. Because D.Va has like an obscene pick rate, pick rate right now. I mean, D.Va has been picked a lot for a long time. But especially recently, D.Va is like 90 plus percent pick rate in the pro scene. So this is a, a huge change. Uh, you're going to have approximately 50%. Well, you have 50% the same pool of defense matrix as you had before. It does regenerate slightly faster, uh, 25% faster than it did beforehand, but your entire matrix pool is much, much, much lower. Uh, so I'm excited about both of these changes. I think they're dynamic and interesting and make the characters more fun, which is great. But I'm concerned <laughs> that Diva was one of the only things that was holding back really good tracers, really good 76s, uh, and also now Junkrats from being a complete menace. So that's the bit, that's my one concern now in the current patch with this current meta is, is Junkrat going to be too strong? Are 76s up on high grounds going to be too strong? Like, will we, can, will we see the return of nano nano visor winning like every fight? Um, but ultimately I'm excited and I'm optimistic, but there, there are definitely some questions. Well, I think the key thing here is that, I was just going to say, when it comes to D.Va, is that I think the key thing there is that you don't want one hero shutting down as much as D.Va was. And whether or not you have, a say, a case where 76 does more, I mean, we'll see. There's a lot of viable options out in terms of what people are running. We're seeing Widowmaker used a lot more post-buff. We're seeing McCree used much more. I think there's a lot more power in the game in general compared to the last time where 76 was really going wild before D.Va was buffed. And in the worst case scenario, that you do have one hero take over because you don't have D.Va suppressing it. You could just go for that hero to begin with rather than having the sort of constant pressure that a D.Va had prior to this patch. It's good. I, I want to say just like one thing. I've played a lot of what's cool about Overwatch is, and I think this was said towards the beginning of the game's launch, is it's kind of a mix of uh, MOBA-inspired and FPS-inspired. So even though it's a shooter, it does take some pretty wide influences from MOBA games. And as someone who has played a lot of MOBA games and then see things like League of Legends and Dota get patched, I'm actually really happy with these patches in particular because it shows that they don't necessarily want to bury a character, which happens far too often in a MOBA where one character just gets nerfed and becomes irrelevant until they buff it again. Um, Whereas I think both of these changes necessarily balance slash change the gameplay of both characters without burying either, even though D.Va, or it's technically a nerf i suppose so yeah um yeah i don't think that necessarily buries diva i just think it kind of fixes what ben was mentioning earlier mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, I mean, the last bit, of, I think last note about all of this is that, you know, I do have to give a little kudos to the Blizzard marketing team in terms of this entire Junkertown thing, because not only did they make Junkrat awesome, they came out with, the, you know, obviously the, the new map Junkertown. They had a short animation, you know, with Junkertown. They had a comic also with Junkertown. And even Junkrat's coming out on Heroes of the Storm, too, right? So uh, I believe that's true. <laughs> This is. Well, I said it was Anna coming out. Maybe there's a joke right here is, as well. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. But regardless, huh. I think they did a great job of like these putting everything together, you know, and having this kind of marketing push in line okay. with even the balance push. The the balance. To clarify, push. it is Anna and Junkrat. I think okay, Anna's so the first one coming up, but Junkrat is coming. Yeah. yeah. So this is definitely the the time of Junkrat, and thank goodness he's good too, because it's it's uh it wouldn't be quite the same if it wasn't um, like that. I'll, it'd be interesting to see if they keep doing something like that. They make balance changes, big balance changes around these marketing pushes. <laughs> it'd be pretty interesting. Um, okay, well, let's I mean, move it's all, also, patching, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, if you're patching one thing into the game, might as well patch some more, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> They're also combining all this with a, a free weekend. Next oh, yeah. week, this weekend, right? I think it's this weekend. Uh, it's it's going to be free play. Uh, I thought it was this past weekend, wasn't it? Or was it oh. this weekend? Is it this weekend? Oh, I think it's this weekend. It might I be this weekend. This, yeah, I could be wrong. I don't weekend. know. Yeah, I think it, you're right. I think it is this weekend. And um, uh, Game of the Year edition was like 50% off yesterday as well. So, oh, really? Uh, oh, I didn't know. They're, they're, definitely, they're yeah. definitely trying to get. They're definitely trying to get more people in Overwatch. I think that has has a little bit to do with gameplay changes, but also obviously esports changes, which is what they want to have their player base eventually convert to. So. Right, right. Okay, well, why don't we talk about some player and team news here? Uh, obviously, the big one is that uh, Envious, Team Envious, um, received an eight-figure investment from the Hearst Interactive Group and is officially going to be the Dallas slash Austin team, which uh, this is something that Jacob reported uh a month and a half ago, I think. Now, if we're exacting, uh, just I think it was August seventh or something like that. So, um, you know, so I, I guess it's a, a bit more official now. Uh, and yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, we all knew this. It's just it, it's a little bit different when it's official, right? So, if <laughs> everyone, uh, everyone, everyone, all at once, everyone, just give your opinion right I'm now. Gonna go, go. I'm no. gonna go classrooms now on you guys, but yeah, Jacob, go. Yeah, you go start. Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, it's. I'm glad it's finally out there. Uh, it's definitely there's something to be said about this news cycle. Um, I expect the the full Blizzard confirmation of the other teams the next week or so. Um, mm. So I, I think that that will be the next part of this because they didn't confirm the actual spot ownership. They just confirmed the investment, which obviously the spot ownership is to come. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad that they mentioned that it was eight figures because most people just say, oh, we got an investment. So right, it, it right. Does, does clarify the $35 million reported figure, which I'm told is still correct as originally reported. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's there and I'm I'm happy for Team MVS as a team. So I feel like no one deserves it more than them, not just for Overwatch, uh, but for everything Envious does. Like this, they have been so successful over the last couple of years in so many different esports titles. I mean, they've been Call of Duty champions. They've been Counter-Strike champions. They have best Western Overwatch team, bar none, right now. They've just been everywhere uh, and winning up, down, center. Uh, and they create great content. They support their sponsors. So I think Envious really, really, really deserves it here. Still hearing eight yeah, figures so is, like, crazy to yeah. hear that <laughs> confirmed. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we are still dealing in rumors and hearsay, but if if true, I mean, it is good, right? Where Envy has been one of the household brands for for a long time, obviously one of the most successful teams competitively, and also just would mean more teams in the league, which of course is great. Yeah, and it sounds like, um, you know, Hasher too, Mike Mike was saying that he's still going to be majority share, I think majority owner of the team. So it's not like, you know, somebody Princ- is coming. Principal. Prin- owner, principal. Right? There's, owner, a, principal. Yeah, there's a slight principal. difference. There's a slight difference. So okay, like, journalist. Okay. We'll break it down for <laughs> There's a slight difference in the fact that he's going to own and operate like the team and he's not like he didn't get bought out completely, right? A lot right. of some of the other teams we've seen just wholesale. Um, mm-hmm. So he is still going to be very actively involved, which I don't yeah. think anyone would argue at any point. Mike is a incredibly smart guy. So. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy too. So um, I'm happy to hear that. Happy for him too. Obviously, a big day for him. Um, but again, it's going to be the Dallas Austin team. So we're going to have a team. We're going to have two teams in Texas: one in Houston, and then now one in this Dallas Austin thing. I'm going to have to figure out. I, I still am having a hard time grasping these double city things and. I mean, you would think eventually it'd just be one city, right? So I, I, I'm not sure how that's going to work still, uh, but we'll. I guess we'll find out in the near future. Uh, another bit of, uh, I think, a topic that since uh, Jacob, you're here too, is just um, you know, we're, we brought up Rogue. I, I think somebody put down you know in our notes here about Rogue, and you know, Rogue's con- conspicuously missing from the league. And I think the question at this point is to pose is. Is the window just gone now for Rogue? You know, obviously they haven't been playing well for a while. I mean, they're playing a little bit better recently than they have in the last two months. But, you know, that time where they were on top and they were, you know, just that French team, you know, waiting for like a Paris team basically to, to enter into the mix never happened. Is the window gone for Rogue at this point? I think if a team, well, uh, just to get in here, is that if you go look at their OW contenders' performance here so far, I think that unless they had something already signed with some team, you couldn't really justify it from an out team perspective to pick up the entirety of the Rogue squad. Like, you just couldn't. Their level of play, the versatility that they've yet to show, you can't pick up that team as a full team anymore. There was a point right. where that would have seemed like a very good option on paper, but now I think when you look at Rogue, you'd be looking to sort of dissect the team and grab like a part or two that might fix. But I think if you know Rogue had the idea of staying together as a full six, I, I don't think that's really going to happen now. Thing is with Rogue, when they started their organization a couple of years ago, it was basically all predicated on Overwatch. They were staff formerly of uh, Enemy Esports, who are now defunct, and they took investors who were also talking to Enemy Esports and made their own org together. Uh, They've obviously since got investment from Steve Aoki. I don't know necessarily if it's a money thing. If I had to guess, $20 million is not very easy to come by, especially all the operating costs that they've had to pay for over the last year and a half of being in the Overwatch scene since pretty much since launch. Um, So I think... Yeah, it, it, them conspicuously missing is, and I do think it's too late. Uh, I think that if Blizzard settles with these 12 teams and they don't get the 14 number that they want, which they certainly are trying, if they do just settle with these 12 teams, I think it's way too late. And I think that what happens from the Rogue organization from here, do they sell their players, uh, sell the contract rights over, or do they turn around and just disband and, and go I mean, they can, and... They- they could wait. I mean, they could try to you know, wait for season two, right? And stay together during that time. I'm not sure it's the right thing to do, but that is an option. I think it's, I just think it's like really kind of almost like a death note, right? Like if you aren't in Overwatch League and you are a North American team mm-hmm. in particular, it's like you're going to get 
all the good viewership for Overwatch, or when it does get good viewership, it's going to go to Overwatch League. So even though contenders may still exist, it's probably going to be mostly irrelevant. So it's not worth your time. And at that point, like I would just expect Rogue to be in Counter-Strike and fighting games as they are, rather than holding on to an Overwatch team. They might just sell the Overwatch team. I don't know. Maybe they sell the contracts off. Yeah, it's a pretty rough proposition to say, oh, we didn't get into OW League, uh, but stick with us. Please, yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. I, I, stick with that. Like, actually, it's... literally, no team is doing that right now. Every team that hasn't made it into Overwatch League has basically said, "Hey, players, you are free to scrim whoever you want and try out with whoever you want." We've seen that with Selfless. We've seen that with a bunch of other teams. Uh, most recently, E United just this week basically said, "Look, we're not in Overwatch League," which is isn't a huge surprise. Like E United's not a big org. I don't think they have twenty million dollars sitting around. Uh, but they basically said, hey, you guys can go try out for whoever you want. Uh, at least I hope that the orgs that have supported these players and these teams for such a long time, like Rogue, will at least be able to make something back in terms of selling off the contracts. Uh, so I think that's probably what they're aiming for, if not getting into Overwatch League. I kind of wonder how much you're going to make off of selling off the contracts, though, because Rogue does have a few good pieces, but are they pieces that you absolutely break the bank for? Because uh, you take a look at certain teams and buyouts that they have here. How much do you go for a buyout for some of the players on Rogue? Do you really drop $100,000 when, as a team that's actually in OWL, you have all the leverage? Because Rogue would be dealing with assets that would be incredibly unhappy being stuck in contract jail, and realistically speaking, mm -hmm, yeah. so as they're in contract jail, Rogue has to continue to pay them. So I don't know if like you could actually expect Rogue to get a huge windfall off of player contracts when offhand there's probably about three contracts that would be in demand. But are you, they in demand enough to a point of paying six figures for a buyout? I, I'm not sure. I think you see a big difference is something that's not very known, but I think that you see a big difference between the initial seven owners and the newer owners of the 12, the other five. I think the other five, because they've come more late into the game, are more willing to buy in and buy contracts out, out from under people, whereas the initial seven have already started building rosters. You look at KSV, who bought Lunatic High outright. You look at the Wilpons, who are bought LW Blue outright. And you see that a lot of the initial seven teams are existing teams like Immortals or, or Misfits or Energy who either know how to team build or have rosters that are already successful or they're already bought teams. So most of the initial sevens have gotten their things together, whereas the new five, I think, are more likely to spend. And I still don't – you're right, ZP. It's not going to be like an initial – it's not going to be this great truckload for rogue players. It's if they get anything, it will basically just be like, "Oh, we make some money back." Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you know, hopefully, rogue, you know, does end up working out somehow. It'd just, it'd just be sad to see, you know, rogue just kind of dissipate into the ether. You know, given that you know, rogue was just one of those teams, you know, team brands that were that really started or was really really early on in, in Overwatch and had huge success. Uh, let's talk about another team, Team Liquid. Which uh, announced that they were, uh, you know, disbanding their Overwatch team, and that Mezer is officially retiring from Overwatch. Which, um, at least for me, I got I kind of sad over that. I mean, Mezer has been, you know, I was hoping actually he was going to make the U.S. team, you know, uh, originally, and then now it's just like he didn't make the U.S. team. Obviously, they were they continue to play, you know, even with the, without being in the World Cup, and now. He's retiring from Overwatch. It's like one of the best tanks we have in the U.S. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Ben? 
Uh, you know, not not ta- not talking shit here or anything, but Mezzer yeah. never really stood out as like an amazing tank in the in the West to me. Uh, I, uh, he always seemed good. So, but a lot of people who know better than I do put a lot of stock in this guy. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is people smarter than me thought he was really, really good. Uh, so it's a bit of a surprise. I mean, Overwatch is really the opportunity that pro gamers like Mezer, who's been around in TF2 forever, this is the game we've all been wanting and waiting for for years and years, if not decades. So it's a little sad to see him drop out, you know, right before things really start get going, uh, getting going. But uh, ultimately... I, on a personal level, I didn't think he was like the best tank in the in the U.S. So I'm not like too too surprised to see this. Uh, I am sad about Team Liquid though; they're one of my favorite orgs. Uh, I was secretly hoping to see them be the San Francisco team uh, way back when OWL was first announced, just because they have roots in San Francisco with some of their investors. Uh, but yeah, it's sad. I mean, T- Team Liquid is you know I was talking about Envious being one of the best run esports teams out there right now i think team liquid is also in that conversation so it's a little sad well when you talk about mezar in particular i feel like the death knell for him in this case where tank spots are competitive and all the rest is that getting on to uh, team usa or in this case not making team usa this year mm-hmm. was certainly fairly rough because you look behind the scenes i would say pretty much anyone who's involved in a high-end World Cup team got so much publicity that mm-hmm, yeah. they were able to get very good tryouts with OWL teams. And the, it was just a great opportunity to market yourself both as a player in photo ops and also with your play in game where Team USA looked really good. So for Mezar, when he didn't get on the Team USA, and not saying he should have, by the way, Fact Fiction was playing really well and Mezar, mm-hmm. uh, I, from what I heard, trout-wise, didn't have quite as good of a showing. So that's why Fact Fiction was chosen. But I do think Mezar's destiny would have been a little bit different if he was on Team USA this year. I think yeah, I that would that. have been wildly different. Mm-hmm. Also, when you take into account like Liquid being up and down and all the rest, uh, so it's a bit of a tough break for Mezar. And I guess you know I don't know all the details that goes that went into the back of it. But if he wasn't getting immediate offers, he might have just said, "All right, you know what? I'm going to hang it up and focus on other things where I don't have the stress of wondering am I going to get a call the next day." Fair. Jake, any thoughts on it? Yeah, so it was sort of the writing on the wall when you saw a lot of these players that are on the Team Liquid team, all former Quake pros, going back to Quake and playing at QuakeCon at the end of last month. I knew it was going to happen eventually. Um, Shatter is really the only one that wanted to stick around in Overwatch or if not retiring, obviously you mentioned Messer. Um, And then... You look at AZK, and he's probably had the best month of his life for the last two years when it comes to Counter-Strike because he got unbanned from ESL events and then unbanned from DreamHack events. So literally only two events that he can't play anymore, aside from majors. So he is now a viable option to have as a backup on your Counter-Strike team. And so with all of that in motion, um, it certainly didn't make a lot of sense for Team Liquid to hold on to an Overwatch League roster when they were very unlikely to be in, or in an Overwatch roster when they're very unlikely to be in the Overwatch League. And for some context, as we reported on this about a month ago as well, uh, the investors behind Liquid, the group Axiomatic, did not feel like Overwatch League was a valuable use of their money. Uh, because they, when they put in the money, it was way before Overwatch League was announced, was probably about four months beforehand, they invested with League of Legends franchising on their horizon, 
trying to invest and buy one of the better multi-game teams. Overwatch was kind of a sideshow to that investment. It is very much now if you are Kenneth Hirsch or Neil Liebman and you're buying Optic or you're buying Imbius or buying into those teams, it's very much on the forefront of your mind. And you're investing lots of money, $35 million, uh, for example, with the $20 million franchise fee in the back of your head, whereas that was not the case with the liquid investment. Right. All right. Well, kind of sad news, you know, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they'll be doing fine in just the other esports that they're still participating in. And, you know, you can always come back to Overwatch League 2. I mean, there, it's going to continually expand, and we'll see what happens in the future. You know, you know. I don't know. It's going to be hard to break back into the scene. It's after. probably going to be even more expensive, to be honest, yeah. like later on. But we'll I think we'll have to see. So, so one thing I want to say, just in brief, about people who are naysayers or don't think that Overwatch League is valuable at its current price point, they are perfectly okay and they are perfectly wealthy enough to go back and invest in like season two or season three. Say season one is this whopping success. These people have, say the price jumps to 50 or 60 million. They don't care. They'll pay that money. Like they have it and it's not an issue. Um, we've seen this in traditional sports leagues as well. When they upstart, when the ABA, NBA merger happened, you had a lot of opportunity for people to buy in for the first time. And a lot of people waited. Uh, the Houston Rockets are a very good example of what just recently happened with their acquisition by a new owner. That owner was bidding for the Rockets back in the 90s when they were originally acquired. So, and now he's back. Like, dude's still a multi-millionaire and still has the money to buy the franchise or multi-billionaire. So, and he waited two decades. So, a lot more too. Yeah, but he's okay with that because now he has now he has the opportunity. The NBA is a more proven product. It's one of the fastest growing sports in America. If that happens in Overwatch, I think people are okay with spending more money as long as it's proven, which is currently not. So, okay, well, um, let's talk about Overwatch World Cup and contenders on Disney, like on the the actual channel. So, I I think I think you had a little Twitter. Um, conversation, maybe a mini conversation with Kiki, uh, Ben. So, what's the deal here? Is it going to be on X Disney XD? Is that correct? Yeah, Disney XD has now shown quite a few different. Inf- well, not a ton, but they showed Evo, and I think oh, something right, else. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this is not their first foray into broadcasting esports content. Uh, but Kiki, community manager for Overwatch, uh, went ahead and tweeted about the fact that. Contenders and Overwatch World Cup are on Disney XD, which I still can't believe it's called Disney XD. I think that's just an amazing meme. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's this great. is good. Like I don't, I don't have a lot to say about this. It's just a- any bit of exposure for competitive Overwatch right now is good, especially given that the game is such a mainstream success. I think it makes sense to go for a mainstream audience on television as well. Absolutely. Uh, a lot, a lot of kids play Overwatch. Chris, your kids play Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. Elon Musk's kids play Overwatch. Like kids around the world play Overwatch, uh, from famous people and not famous people too. Uh, so yeah, it's, I think it's a good move, and uh, glad to see it. Well, something that's worth noting here too is that the content is seen valuable enough, even when it's not live, to continually throw up there. So one of the biggest selling points of esports and sports in general is the power of the live content part of it, where you get to see it live. It's less vulnerable to people DVRing, etc. But this is a case where it's seen as valuable enough that even when it's not live and it's just going through uh, previous broadcasts, 
they're like, yeah, actually, we want this on our network. We want to expose people to this. We think it's going to be mutually beneficial. So that that part alone is exciting, just because I think that is an interesting uh, nuance there compared to how sports and esports is traditionally consumed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next bit of news we have is that uh, there was an article posted, I guess, in uh, the .esports that Overwatch's 26th hero is already very playable internally, but not coming as soon as you think. So, um, you know, I, I guess it just spawns even more speculation as to what it's going to be. You know, obviously a lot of people are thinking it was the queen. I mean, my thoughts are there's just no way they're they're going to make it the queen, given that everybody thinks it's going to be the queen. So if it's not coming as soon as we think, does that mean it's not coming during BlizzCon? Is that pretty much what that means? I don't imagine a scenario where you don't see some sort of crazy right, content for BlizzCon. I mean, I guess yeah, may, maybe it's some hero, right? but generally speaking, when you... When you look at history with what content is thrown at BlizzCon, generally speaking, for Heroes of the Storm, whether it be for uh, Overwatch, the idea is let's show off some new characters. So you would think that you would see it by BlizzCon. I guess it's not impossible that you wouldn't, but uh, BlizzCon is the best place to show off a new hero. So I don't know. I think we can see it. There's still a way out. The only thing is with the the couple of months timer on it, right? Like it almost has to be at BlizzCon, right? If it's not coming out in the next three weeks, then it's going to be way too late to integrate before BlizzCon for Overwatch World Cup. And it's going to have to come out like right around BlizzCon, right after, because Overwatch League starts shortly after, I would imagine, if they're still on their end-of-year timeline, which they still haven't confirmed the date. But that's the case, like, in November, beginning of December, that type of area, like, that's going to be really difficult to get everybody used to a hero. So they're going to need at least a couple of weeks. So I would think like with the, the month time frame or a couple of month time frame that they put it in that interview, that would make me think that it's right at BlizzCon. Well, for the record, if there is a new hero at BlizzCon, I wouldn't expect it to be playable for Overwatch World Cup. I would expect it to yeah. be like Sombra last year, where Sombra last year was playable at BlizzCon. Like that was the mm-hmm. unveil of Sombra, yeah. the new cinematic, et cetera. But she was not playable in the actual... Overwatch World Cup tournament. So th- that's the thing there. Like, I don't think you'd have to worry about being played in the World Cup. Yeah, I'm saying if they don't put it out before BlizzCon, right? Like, if you put it out before well, BlizzCon, it definitely should not be playable at BlizzCon because we're really only like five weeks away from BlizzCon. So, yeah. So, I mean, not coming as soon as we think. When do we think it's coming, guys? I mean, I, so I definitely, I definitely think like there, there's, Definitely some cards uh, for Blizzard at BlizzCon. I think that they're going to hold a lot of stuff for Overwatch League and for gameplay that will probably be announced around yeah. BlizzCon. One of the great things about the Overwatch World Cup is that it's a giant marketing machine. Yeah, uh, Even absolutely. though it's very good comp- competition, it's still a really good marketing machine. So, Yeah, there's got to be... I'm hoping that Overwatch League is not the only huge announcement at BlizzCon, so um, I'll definitely Double. be hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely hopeful for this, you know, 26 hero or just new content or just whatever it is, a new short animation or maybe a graphic novel, who knows. Um, Blizzard is an uh, intriguing developer in the sense that they try to make things like BlizzCon extremely inclusive to both eSports fan and not. So uh, yeah. I, I would say for every game, there will be something cool that is probably un-eSport related as well. So Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, um, somebody put oh, Jeff Kaplan. The, this was on Reddit today, right? Or just posted today. That's commenting on the um, input that he gets from pros and I guess how valuable that is. Um, I mean, this yeah, is not surprising. I just basically threw yeah. this in. Yeah. We, we all knew this. Like, all of us that are kind of inside the scene understand that there's a way for pros to give feedback. And, and actually, Jeff Kaplan in particular 
and the, the entire Overwatch team is actually very receptive to feedback. There are, are official channels that pros have to give game balance feedback directly to the team. Uh, so it was just a little bit, it was nice to actually see them verify the fact that there is this dialogue that happens, that they do make changes based off this. But then, of course, of course, he also <laughs> says that we have to balance for the feedback of the casuals because they're because their feedback is also important. So uh, I just wanted to throw that in there because a little bit of confirmation of what a lot of us know to be true. Uh, and a little little give, a little take there that you know it matters what the pros think, but it also matters what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, next up, let's talk about some events, given that uh, obviously ZP has been at Contenders again, again for the uh, fifth week in a row, maybe even more, actually. You probably were there a couple weeks before that, right? Um, uh, no, we, we just uh, got here a few days before the first week. So oh, really? About, okay. Okay, so not too much so before then. So. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's, we're not at the point where you need the, like two weeks of <laughs> That's true. You guys have done it, but like obviously a few times but, already. That'd be silly. <laughs> I mean, you, you deal with people that have done this for a while. So I, I don't know. I mean, generally speaking, for most events, like so long as the tech is in place beforehand, uh, yeah. one to two days of rehearsal is more than plenty. All right. Well, anyways, we uh, obviously had a lot to talk about last week in terms of that, and it kind of led up to some interesting matchups this past weekend. But um, let's take a look at the standings, at least for NA, after this weekend. So Envious, you know, still definitely having no problems at all. I guess no surprise there. But um, Envision, you know, Envision, I think, struggled a, a little bit this week. Or, or they had to play the good teams this weekend. So we, we got a, a good chance to really take a look to see where Envision is. And, you know, I think they... I think a lot of people that that know Overwatch, I think, were thinking that Envision would, you know, kind of show, you could see a little bit more of their true colors, which, you know, they're not quite as good as it looks like in the standings. Um, but, you know, still 4-2 and two there. FaZe obviously had a good good weekend, too. Uh, and Rogue, you know, Rogue's actually, I think, in a pretty good spot going into, is this the final week? Is week 6 the last week, or is it week 7? Uh, this is the last week. Yeah, this uh, is the so last week. This right? week is yeah. the European. Yeah. There's going to be four teams that play an extra game this week to get them up to the final amount of games. Mm -hmm. But uh, for NA, this is the final. Just every team in NA is done, I believe, uh, six so far. And this is the final week. Right. Um, yeah, so any, any big things? I mean, Immortal got their first win. <laughs> Obviously, there was like both sides, NA and EU. We had the bottom feeders like fighting to be not the... Well, I don't know, what do you call Mr. Irrelevant? Not Mr. Irrelevant, but just like, you know, the team that finishes last, whatever. Um, so uh, Mortal's able to pull that off uh, in NA here. But any teams, you know, you really get a good sense for, you know, where they are now. Like, who's actually going to get that fourth spot, in your opinion? So right now, it's interesting to see things develop. I think Envision, uh, some of the Bloombas come off the rows where Envision mm -hmm. thought yep. they were going to be really high up. And so truth be told, and looking at over the course of contenders, I generally had my doubts. It felt like Envision was doing really well against teams that were underperforming versus actually playing out of their minds. It's been interesting, contenders, because you've got a lot of teams who have come out weaker than expected. I actually think, let's see if I double-check the stakes to make sure I'm not mistaking anything, but I think Rogue is actually in fairly big trouble because you compare yeah, them yeah. to FNRGFE right now. Rogue mm -hmm. would have to be envious to get in if FNRGFE Oh, beats right. Now, That's right. Now, yeah. So, yeah. so the, your previous point, Chris, I actually think Rogue is a very deep Yeah, trouble. yeah. I forgot they were playing they would have, at the end. Yeah, yeah they would have yeah. to overperform versus an extremely strong Envious team yeah. if FNRGFE would have to lose to the worst team in North America. 
I don't think that's good odds for him. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, basically it all comes down to this FNRGFE versus uh, uh, versus Renegades match. If for some reason <laughs> FNRGFE <laughs> falters, everything's on its head, and we could like any result is possible. But if if they win that match, which everyone is going to expect them to do. It's basically like, no, man, you never know. There's no, yeah, you you never know, but that's the match to watch for the NA side. As far as I'm concerned, all all three of these technically matter or the three of the four matches this week technically matter. Cause Mm -hmm. obviously rogue has to beat envy to qualify as CP mentioned. And then, uh, F energy should beat renegades. Uh, and, but the other game phase and, and envision, I think is important just based off seating. So playoff seating, which is uh, a good thing, but the last game doesn't matter at all. There, there is one funny scenario here, whereas that Envision for, because they did publicly come out with some pretty strong words like, yeah, we're going to the playoffs, etc. There is a scenario where they don't make playoffs here, because if Rogue beats Envy, yeah, that's right. and well, that's... GFE beats Renegades, Envision <laughs> can actually be out after a very strong start. So that's unlikely to happen, but uh, let's just say they've gotten closer to the execution than they would like. Oh, yeah. Let's see. The other thing I think is worth knowing here, too, for FNRGFE versus Renegades is that it's a very big mismatch in terms of tank lines where you're putting Primo Delce and uh, Mangachu if he's on the Diva, which he has been uh, oftentimes. You're running that as your tank front line versus Muma and Cool Mat. <laughs> that is such a horrific mismatch that going into that, you'd have to expect Renegade to just get utterly bullied out in terms of space on that alone before you even get into the DPS element of it where Buds has actually been somewhat resurgent on the Junkrat. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen crazier things happen, but yeah, on paper, it sounds like a very very tall order uh, for Renegades here. So, but who knows? They might be crazy motivated to play spoiler here. <laughs> It'd be terrible, obviously, for uh, FNRG FE. Uh, what do you guys think about Phase Clan? Like, wh- is Phase Clan going to be able to contest NVS at you know just if you know they make it to the finals against each other because that's what it's looking like at this point. I think they're they're clearly the two best teams um, and they're playing that way too. Or is this going to be an easy cakewalk for NVS? I sure hope not. I, I really hope not because as everyone knows, we have the contender season one finals in two weeks, yeah. and their EU and NA are going to be in separate brackets. So right now. Like, if you look at both regions, NVS is clearly dominant in NA. Misfits is clearly dominant in EU. Uh, it could end up being really one-sided. So you got to hope for these underdog stories going into that uh, that finals. Mm-hmm. Well, if hope's all you have, then FaZe is pretty much done because Envy <laughs> is... They're playing at next level. They they really yeah. are. I, I I will say credit where credit is due the phase. Uh, they have improved, particularly since picking up Carpe, where Carpe has given them more of a shutdown tracer that they mm-hmm. haven't had in the past. But if you go on what we've seen here so far and what we've the overall body of work, you go against against a team like Envy, that's still a bit of a mismatch versus what we know Effect is capable of, where Effect is very arguably the best tracer in North America, period, right now. So and generally speaking, Envy has phase beaten in the skill to skill matchups. And also, Envy is just a lot more battle tested than phase. So, yeah. if, even if phase is the second strongest team, there's very likely going to be a rather large gap between them and Envy going in. 
It, gotta feel, gotta feel great if you're uh, MV and Misfits, though. Like this is, this is everything you want. You know, everybody, yeah. everybody, and Al is struggling to build teams, and you're just wrecking your regions. You gotta feel <laughs> good about that. Like, you, know, you know, what's even scarier is that you know there was this um, you know article or interview with Effect that talked about how Effect didn't feel like he was playing very. You know, he hasn't been playing well. He hasn't really. You know, he felt a little complacent at times and, you know, really was trying to kind of get himself motivated or just kind of get it on himself so that he could start playing better. And it's just like they're crushing and this is kind of happening. So, um, you know, I originally was going to kind of bring that up and, and really talk about, um, you know, what happens, you know, to, to those kind of players when they come over to the NA and this is what they're having to play against. They're like w clearly way better than everybody else. So, um, I mean, does their skill take a hit from it? You know, it, does it affect skill kind of go down actually being over here in NA instead of like still being in Korea. What do you, what do you think of that ZV? I don't think there's any reason why skill would go down mm -hmm. in coming here. I mean, if you want to take the idea that there's tougher competition in apex, sure. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, you're talking about a player with really good mechanical skill. You're talking about yes. a team that is well coached and spends plenty of time game planning and looking at their, how they're playing. So I don't think there's any reason to sort of, nebulously say, ah, he's just going to get weaker playing over here. Yeah. Well, However, you, just don't, you just don't hear the word complacency whenever we talk about Korean Overwatch. You know, like, that word never comes up, and that's the word he was using when he was describing it, right? So, I, think there's uh, something I, I thought to be it was interesting. Said, hmm? I, said, I think there's something to be said. We haven't seen enough of this in Overwatch, because Overwatch is still relatively new competitively. Mm -hmm. um, we can use the case study of something like League that has imported uh, has imported Korean players for quite a while. Um, it really is a case-by-case -case basis. Some people take it better than others. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that Effect feels great about living where he does. Um, I know that's probably a little bit of culture shock being in Charlotte uh, in comparison to being somewhere like LA. It's a little bit more welcoming uh, to Korean culture. There's a lot more things to do if you are mm -hmm. Korean and want to find similar hometown culture in Los Angeles, which is something I hear from a lot of League of Legends players that are originally from Korea and play in NA. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I guess complacency is the best word for it. I don't think it's necessarily hitting his skill. I think it's just him being maybe a little uncomfortable being back in the U.S. Yeah. and also, uh, also just being complacent about competition because it's not nearly as stiff as it would be in Apex. Mm -hmm. You know, before we move on from NA... I've been pretty critical of Mickey in past shows. Oh yeah. I think I think Mickey played so well this weekend. <laughs> he like I think this is I, I'm pretty sure this is by far the best he's ever been playing uh, is right now. Uh, he looked in complete lockstep with the rest of the team. So big shout outs to Mickey. He played super well this weekend. Yep, definitely. And I saw wasn't there somebody or I think was recording some stats on even Harry and just like comparing Harry, you know, to to, to all the other Lucios? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I saw like that. it's a staggering difference. So yeah, Harry's definitely been um, playing great, and obviously the folks that know Overwatch watch and watch these matches closely know that. But there's a lot of folks that you know probably haven't realized that too. All right, let's, talk, let's go over to EU now and talk about, uh, you guys mentioned Misfits, of course. It's like a, a very similar situation. It's almost mirrored, to be honest, which is very astounding to me. Misfits obviously well, being envious, Team Giganti being, you know, FaZe here. And then we even at the bottom, it's like top to bottom, it's almost yeah. mirrored. Let's be clear about one thing. Misfits yeah. is not envious. Yes, but, I know, like, but it's you know, like relative, like, relatively it, wise. Yeah, there's no reason to think that, like, even though they have been looking very impressive so far, this is. I'm still skeptical in some sense. I mean, let's. 
be clear about this. But they are highly upgraded logics there. It's given them plenty of room just to have the shutdown tracer. It's certainly given Tavik more room and less pressure on him. But if you think back to Contender Season 0, Misfits also had a very impressive regular season there and just completely shut down for the playoffs. So even though Misfits is looking to be the clear favorite here, it still feels like there's more upset really? potential from okay. teams like Giganti that are playing really, really well right now. And also just, you know, wild cards and one, two, three, C9 Gamers Origin, where if you remember, Gamers Origin, even though they didn't beat Misfits, they took them to the limit and came very close to reverse sweeping them yeah. just a few weeks ago. So I think that Misfits looks a little bit more intimidating on paper than they actually are. So I think the idea of an upset in you is far more likely. Hmm. Now, heading wow. into the other interesting thing is that as you head into the Super Week here is that there's a whole lot at stake between 123 and Gamers Origin that really that's a storyline. Cloud9, all they have to do this year, their spawn playoffs is beat Bazooka Puppies. Well, that shouldn't be too difficult. Bazooka <laughs> Puppies had a very rough season. 123 yeah. versus Gamers Origin. 123 has to beat C9, and then they still need, depending on how tiebreakers go, they still might need to outright beat Gamers Origin as well. Whereas Gamers Origin, they have an E. Uh, if they see, bring this up in full so I don't misspeak. Okay. They're facing yeah. E United. They're gonna, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're facing, yeah. They have E United and they have one, two, uh, three. One, two, three. So if they beat United, which is more likely than not, given that E feels a little bit spirit broken right now, the idea that they could beat one, two, three, knock one, two, three out of the playoffs and get in isn't really far fetched at all. That's, yeah, that's definitely very true. Um, let me see, actually, let me bring up the schedule here real quick just so we can take a look too. Uh, you mentioned E United being spirit broken. That's probably the best way to describe it because they really, at least the team, thought like they were going to be in Overwatch League all the way till the very end. Now they're not. So, hmm. um, yeah, you, you know, you got to feel pretty bad if you're those players. And they are now being made it very clear, I think, in the E United announcement, they're now being sold off in terms of contracts. So, mm -hmm. uh, Definitely, I don't think they're necessarily thinking about contenders. I think yeah, most of the, I think it's been a while those, since they haven't. Been, I, think, I think well, yeah. The, the sad part about United too is that this is also a case where the stock for a lot of the players was very high heading into contenders season one, and I would say the stars dimmed for a lot of them. Where certain players, I think, will be okay. Like Cruz, for example, has had very good showings, even losing games of contenders, and also had a very good showing with Team UK. I, I would be surprised if say Cruz or Boombox didn't get on teams. Valtaya is an interesting case because he was a very yeah. shutdown tracer in season zero and had a good track record up until the season. But now we're in an era where there's a lot of really good tracers out there. And Valtaya has had a rougher season. So if you think about his odds of getting on our team, it's actually perhaps longer than he would like here. And I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see I, where this United squad goes in terms of what members get on teams or not. Small point. Um, I think it's actually really bad if you're a European who is not already on a, an OWL team because it's going to be miserable trying to get your visa uh, done in time at this point. Oh, like, we're wow. like we're like two months out, and like you, the thing is, is a lot of these Overwatch League teams um, have zero experience in doing it in like an LCS because a lot of them are so new, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whereas your Envious, your Cloud Nines, your Immortals, your Energy, they have all done it before with previous players, so they understand they'll pay the extra fees for expediting. But trying to get a visa in like a two and a half month turnaround window, right, 
is kind of hard if you've never done it before. So if you're not already on a team and you're a European player, you got to feel really bad about things. You got to like you, if you're like someone on the United, you're going to have to figure out your contract almost like next week. And that is not good. And I'm sure that feels really bad. So. I mean, one thing that is worth noting is that we do have situations like Sinatra's where, you know, there is the potential that he might not be able to play at the start of the season because yep. of uh, age stuff, depending on when the season could start. So, you know, if it's on the earlier end, you know, We'll have to see. But mm-hmm. so, I mean, there's still the idea that you could sign some of these players and then wait for their visa, depending on when things start. So that is yeah. also another option. It would just, it would still mean that there's scenarios where maybe they don't get to play at the start. Yeah. I didn't even think about the visas. Like, hopefully, you would think that visas are a, a big thing that Blizzard will help with, you know, in terms of the teams. I don't think the teams are just going to be on their own just to figure they, all this out, too. They um, will, but it actually is very dependent on the game. Uh, that's something that a lot of people don't know about. Uh, visas, P1A athletic visas, mm-hmm. which is what most of your esports players in the U.S. have, uh, at least the ones that travel here legally. Um, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Dota usually are the ones that have the precedent and have done the work in front of, like, the State Department to get those approved. Uh, whereas you see like Smash, a lot of the European players that come over here are not here legally. Um, and that is not good for Overwatch because Overwatch doesn't necessarily have an, a history of importing people and getting P1A athletic visas. So you add you add that Blizzard is relatively new to this because they've never done this with a game before. You add that they have new ownership that has not done it before either in a lot of their owners. And then also that we're getting really, really late into that window because it takes a little bit. Uh, it takes probably – depends. I've seen them flipped in like two and a half weeks with your riot and you're you know, pushing the State Department with all your might. Yeah. But it's a little different when you're a new eSport. And uh, – I'm really concerned about some of these people getting visas in times for like a December or a January Overwatch League launch, which is not good. And also just the fact that people are unexperienced as well. Right. All right. Well, um, you know, last week, of course, of Overwatch Contender. So um, definitely tune in, see who those top four teams are going to be, and then get ready for some playoffs. Uh, if you want to go to watch the playoffs it's too late because all the tickets are sold i don't know maybe maybe you can still get in maybe somebody's selling their tickets or i don't know are there scalpers outside of these these venues right now <laughs> like there are at other events that that would well, be the day that'd be the day we make it as man. esport when people are scalping esports tickets yes that will be the the day we make it um but yeah, anyways, Overwatch containers, definitely check it out for uh, this final week. Um, but now, you know, I think it's time to, uh, again, reiterate that this episode is sponsored by Harry's, harrys.com. And if you guys are looking for, or just annoyed, you know, just about your current shaving situation, you know, with whether it's your razor or whatever, or you feel like you're overpaying for your your razor blades right now, uh, go and check out Harry's. They actually have a free trial offer right now where they send you this pack. Actually, I have this pack right here that actually has an, a razor in it. It's got, you know, it's got the full-out razor with the handle as well as some shaving cream and uh, a razor cover too. And, um, you know, I think you, all you have to do is pay for shipping, you know, wherever you are located and they'll send you all this. And so you get a chance to try out the, the razor for free. And then, um, you know, from there you can decide, you know, whether you want to you know, buy some more razors and the razors are actually much cheaper than the razors that you would go and buy at your local store. And not only that, it comes to your doorstep too. So, um, it, 
I mean, what better way, right? Like all of us, like I hate, I hate going to the store buying like razors and stuff. And, um, you know, that, that's the thing about these razors too. Like I, I have to say that at least personal experience that electric razors just never get a good shave. I don't know about you guys. You guys all use electric shavers or no? Nope. Nope. Yeah. You all well, I use it. I, I use it for a beer yeah. trimming, but I use a uh, razor. So like exactly yeah the razor is always going to get a better better shave so um you know Chad, all, man i will say you, yeah. you've left out the important part here which is that you would be an absolute viking if you didn't shave every other day <laughs> with a high quality razor i don't know about the viking but i would definitely have the fu manchu going that's for sure you know like it could be it might be a good look for you in your old age you Chris? think so uh, it wouldn't be white though it's still <laughs> are you saying chris is old no no as he ages, maybe he should. Oh, I mean, esports years. I'm freaking ancient, dude. I'm like totally <laughs> ancient, right? <laughs> uh, but definitely go and check that. Um, check out Harry's.com, and if you go to Harry's.com/slash/overview right now, um, you know they'll obviously know you guys are coming from us, and it'll definitely help us out too. So um, yeah, if you're looking for a free razor, go there and check it out, and thank them too. If you have any way of you know saying thanks for sponsoring the show, because it's again our first sponsor, and it's very very appreciated. Okay, uh, let's see. Let's talk about Apex, or a little bit of Apex. Not really going over the results quite yet. We'll definitely dig into it when it's, um, you know, it gets closer to just um, you know the playoffs right now. But they're obviously doing some of the groups in the playoffs right now. But uh, there was something that I felt like I was remiss for not talking about at all this season, which was Gaguri, who was uh, the first female. Or if folks that might have been following Overwatch for a long time, Gaguri was the Zarya player. That made a lot of a lot of news a long time ago about, um, you know, a lot of people accusing her of hacking, and you know, she even went. I think it was the OGN studios, right? And she had to like prove that she, you know, was is the the high level player she is. So she actually played like on like a televised um, broadcast where you know they had obviously her her screen and you know people watching her and stuff too. Uh, anyways, she was you know finally able to play in Apex this season for Rocks Orcus, and. Um, you know that's I think that's huge news, right? I mean I don't know I don't know how I missed it or, or just forgot to talk about it. At one point it was on the topics and for some reason it got bumped off. But yeah, this is this was huge news this season. So first female to play in Overwatch, you know, like this is obviously a theme that that comes up in every single esports. Um, Overwatch having the number of female players that it does just in the general game, I think makes this um, topic even a little bit more interesting, which is we don't see many females just in the competitive space. And Gaguri is kind of like a unicorn right now, and she's good enough to play at the top level. You know, she's not necessarily the best Zarya in the world or anything, but she's good enough to play in Apex, and that says, says quite a bit. So um, want to get your thoughts on, you know, just Gaguri and just, you know, what you guys think and are you rooting for her, all that good stuff. So, Ben, you want to start us off? Of course I'm rooting for her, Chris. Just, I mean, this, know, this, is, this is this is like softball, a you know, like, yeah, this, this is a seriously important moment, I think, because ever since I've been in esports, you've always heard this is how you level the playing field. Your physical prowess isn't relevant when it comes to. To esports, it's about your brain and and your hand-eye coordination uh, only. So the the hypothesis has been we will see female players seek in uh, uh, come into the scene and start competing on the same level eventually. Uh, on the obvious like counterpoints for that is just mainly cultural. It's not as acceptable for females even today to be obsessed with video games uh i mean it's a really really common thing for young males 
uh, and it's becoming more and more common for for women as well. But it hasn't. Be, it isn't on the same level in terms of cultural acceptance. Uh, I'm not sure how it is out in Korea, but I would assume it's it's got to be pretty similar. So I think this is a really really cool uh, tidbit to share, uh, and I can't wait to see Kiguri doing more in the scene because uh, this this is just awesome um, and, and hopefully inspiring for a lot of uh, would be professional players out there. So I'm, I'm all for it. It's awesome. So, so I agree with most of what you just said there, Ben, except I would change the word obsessed with dedicated. Like obsessed has negative yeah. connotations. Whereas right. if someone's playing right. a lot of soccer, you don't go, oh man, he's just obsessed in soccer. Is he obsessed with uh, football? It's like, no, he's dedicated passionate. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's <laughs> passionate, right. et cetera. Like yeah. if, if we could just ditch the word obsessed, I think that'd be good. But otherwise, I agree. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, any thoughts? I think it was if this was going to happen anywhere, it was going to be at least for Overwatch. It's going to be South Korea first uh, mm -hmm. because it's a little bit ecosystems a little bit more thriving there right now in terms of OGN support and the opportunities to play. Um, whereas in North America, it feels like the Overwatch and in Europe, it feels like the Overwatch scene. It's been a little bit all over the place as we all eagerly await Overwatch League. Um, I think Contenders has helped a little bit, but Apex has obviously been established for longer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Kaguri, as you mentioned, she was accused of cheating uh, mm -hmm. several months ago, and her being in, in Apex can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by the way, that's still, like, the best story ever. It, it really is. Acu yeah. Accused of cheating, proved the haters wrong, <laughs> the haters quit the internet, yeah, and never came right, back. That's right, that's well, right. For, for the record, by the way, for whatever that's reason, right. in early Overwatch, it wasn't even just Kaguri, too. Uh, this is oh. sort of uh, hilarious to go back and look at, but yeah. there was a oh, point sure where... For. Time where Reddit, <laughs> yeah, well, that was one of the things where uh, the main Reddit, which normally doesn't upvote anything related to comp, like upvoted these threads early on really heavily, accusing Sherfor and Taimu, now both land tested veterans, very clearly not cheating, and frankly, very clearly not cheating back then if you were paying any attention whatsoever. There was just this weird thing where I think you had a lot of people early on in Overwatch that weren't FPS gamers seeing how good someone could actually be in an FPS game. And the most logical thing for them was to accuse cheats rather than right. praising skill, which was kind of annoying. But I'm glad we're past that era where you don't actually get cheat accusations that much anymore. Yeah, and on top of that, she was female too, so um, those accusations yeah. were probably even more brutal than there was like your average one. There was one point in time where uh, there was like this allegation of uh, cheat slash script group on Skype, which I actually did some digging on like a while ago, and it turned out. To Pretty much be bollocks. So, um, yeah, I'm glad we're over that too, ZP. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say who, but there were certain pros that were on that bandwagon too. <laughs> oh, man. ZP oh, of course yeah. there were. Of course there were. ZP yeah. knows who. Uh, well, we're not going to bring up all those. I'm not going to call them up by name. But, uh, but. Yeah, but one thing to mention too, just given that in this Apex news. Well, first off, um, Jacob's colleague, you know, Mina, wrote an awesome piece like this last week. So definitely check out. Uh, her her piece on on Kaguri, if you get a chance, if you don't know the entire story, she does a great job of kind of going through it. She even got an interview with Kaguri, so um, really put a lot of work into that article. Uh, but you know her team, Rocks Orcus, you know terminated contracts, you know for for all the players. So now Kaguri's back, you know in the open market again. So um, hoping she'll make it into Overwatch League. You know if it's not season one, hopefully at least some point in season two, because it would be great. I think it'd be 
like phenomenal for Overwatch to have that happen. You know, don't just have her on there because she's female. I mean, obviously for for merit reasons. And I mean, her Zarya, if Zarya becomes or it makes it into the meta or is like super prominent again in the meta, and you know, you have some roster space for a specialist, Gaguri could absolutely be considered. Um, you know, if there are enough teams, obviously. Got to see more Korean teams come into Overwatch League first, which um, KSV will certainly be a demo test for many of those. Uh, we talked about this briefly on my pod earlier today, but there's not a lot of benefit if you're a Korean organization like in a KT Rollster and SK Telecom to be in the Overwatch League as it mar- markets mainly to a Western audience. Um, hmm, okay. So because you can't you can't buy an SKT service in the U.S., you can't buy a KT Rollster right, service in true. the U.S. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, this is certainly it's and you also have to rebrand, right? Which is part of the reason why a lot of Korean teams just weren't interested in buying an Overwatch at all. Um, mm-hmm. There's no reason for them to rebrand. So, it, you know, I think we're going to have to see more Overwatch teams, more Korean Overwatch teams happen, and not just uh, Western teams importing Korean players, which I. definitely expect to happen by the launch of the league. Um, But if we see more teams come in in Season 2, Season 3, then I think that she will eventually be on one of those. Yeah, that would be awesome. If she continues to play at a high level, which is very dependent on what happens to the Korean Overwatch ecosystem after the launch of Valve. Yeah, she's still really young, too. So there is a little bit of a culture thing, being that she's a female, she's young, and... You know, like living in a house of guys, you know, that's not (laughs) quite the same, you know, in terms of talking about uh, whether that's okay or not. Um, So one thing I'd like to touch on that Chad had brought up here, and this is sort of a segue, but it's sort of this commonly held belief that I disagree with. And who knows? Some teams might go on this idea. I think when you have a limited amount of roster spots and otherwise to build your team i don't agree with the idea of oh sign a player that might not be all that good or might not be a starter but brings publicity to your team i think that the best way of bringing publicity to your team is winning and doing well and if you're signing a player just for a publicity uh, spot and they're not going to do well for your team which isn't the case for gaguri by the way i'm just saying in general this idea that oh it doesn't matter what the person is right 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 yeah Um, it's just I think the teams that will get the most popularity will be the teams that do well. The teams that do well will be the teams that have the foremost focus on winning and not looking for ways of minorly boosting their popularity by getting fan favorite X, Y, or Z. If it's a fan favorite that can play really well, absolutely. That's a double benefit. But gameplay has to come first. Yeah, I mean, Siegel is the easy case of someone who can do both, right? Siegel is like probably the biggest public- Western publicity time bomb in terms of signing him to your Overwatch League team, but he's also a phenomenal player. So um, he's definitely the one that, that I think a lot of people will fight cool. over if they have not already. So, Well, you guys bring, I, I think, ZP, you bring up a good topic here, which is, um, you know, th- this is something that traditional sporting like basketball and football and baseball, they don't have to deal with this. You know, like they don't, you know, roster spots are not given to anybody that's just, you know, a streamer, you know, somebody that's like from a marketing standpoint. You've never seen anybody you know, get a spot like that. Maybe the closest thing was like a Dennis Rodman and Dennis Rodman was you know, obviously one of the, he was one of the best greats. rebound machines yes. of all time. Yes, like. He's one of the best, the best <laughs> players of all time too. So, I, but what I'm saying is like from a standpoint of publicity and in that aspect of, of the sport, maybe, you know, the closest thing was him. Everything else is all based on, you know, how good you are at that sport. Now, when we talk about esports, it's it's different, right? Like when we talk about rosters on teams, I mean, granted that the rosters on teams for Overwatch League are, is going to be different than what we've seen, you know, historically with like um, just esports teams in the past, because rosters, you know, like being part of a team could mean just 
you know, being like an employee of the team, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so my question to you guys is, is that how Overwatch League is going to function? Like, are the rosters going to be more like sports rosters where everybody has to be a great Overwatch player? Uh, or is it going to be more like what we've seen in traditional esports where it's like, yeah, if this guy's a marketing machine, yeah, let's, we, we have him on the team too. He's part of the stream team, you know, and, and things like that. Mm. I think you'll see um, a little for- bit of both. Mm. I'm firmly of the belief that the best marketing tool is to win games and be a great player. And in the long run, the idea that if you get someone that is a big personality, but they're not able to back it up with equally big gameplay, your team's going to get more negative PR for trying to play that and having a really bad losing record versus trying to put together a really good team. I don't think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of scenarios where you have a team that's doing negative, like in some cases, potentially seriously negative, and it's somehow counterbalanced because you have a popular player on it. I, I don't see that being the case. I think in the long run, you want to get the absolute best squad possible and woo people with great gameplay because to your comparison to traditional sports, it's the greatest players that get the greatest amount of fans, not someone who's just more marketable than not. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't expect many uh, many team... like. Uh, General managers, that is the term I was looking for. I would I would really not expect any general managers to, to consciously make the decision to bring in somebody who's maybe not the best player but has a bigger fan base uh, just because they have that fan base. Obviously, being marketable doesn't hurt your prospects as a player. It helps a lot, but I don't see any... I hope, at least, that general managers aren't going to be making those decisions. That said, I will give a caveat. Overwatch is still... Even though it's a team game, it's a very individual personality-driven fan base right now. I mean, you could even see this during the contenders' broadcasts over the weekend. Guess what? I mean, this is actually this is a bad example because Envious <laughs> is the best team in the West right now. But guess what? When Envious plays, the viewership was spiking by like literally sixty percent. It was going from ten to eleven k viewers to eighteen, nineteen k viewers every time Envious was on screen. Uh, and that's always been the case. I mean, think back to like the early, early tournaments when NRG played, viewers came. Like it was that simple. When, when Siegel and his squad were on stream, the viewership would just explode. Uh, so this is still very, a, per, a very highly personality dependent fan base right now. I, I don't um, think much more so personality than I, based at all. I, I think kind of. Are you kidding me? Well, no, I don't think it's, it's a tough example. Time. I think it's, I <laughs> yeah, think it's, it's because Envy plays really well. If you want to watch really <laughs> good Overwatch right now in Contenders, you watch a game from Envious because they're playing out of their minds. There's not like a thing where it's like, oh, we're just, we just, they think they're really popular. Precise. Like, no, Envy's the best example of this team's playing freaking well, I, amazing. That's why I want to watch and support them. Well, I think a better example would have been Contenders zero, you know, Season 0 with Seagull's team, right? Or what was the team called again? Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, meme, the meme dream the, team. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I yeah. think that was like, like probably a better example because like Envious, like ZB is saying, Envious is like one of the best teams in the world. So it's hard to actually figure out which, what's the reason there. Um, but yeah, so I, I'll be interested to see. I'll be interested to see if they just even have like stream teams too like they just have their whole marketing department that that has i'm sure they will i mean they should okay cool i think we gotta get, we gotta get the brand launches first yeah we gotta exactly all, right all of all of these are gonna be new all 12 oh man teams, so. who do you think is gonna have the best best uh mascot out of all, all the teams 
Well, we only know one of them so far, and that's <laughs> Shanghai. Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty. The Shanghai generic. Dragons. Yeah, it's pretty so. generic there. Yeah, they better have a good Hanzo. In. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. To, I'm curious to see because like all the logos are being made by the same people. So I'm hoping that they all look very cohesive and nice. Uh, oh, okay, so they're made by the. Okay, yeah. This should be interesting. All right, uh, why don't we go into some Q and A? We've got a couple questions here. And yeah, first one's from, I think it's Joao, Joao T is how you pronounce it. My question is, if you were to make an Overwatch League team and all pros were free agents, who would you, who would be your start six man starting team? So who's your all star team? I think is, is maybe a, a more fun way of saying it. Um, he also follows it up with also I had an idea of Ferris alt that would make it more sense if shot behind, if she could only get shot from behind when ulting. Um, Okay, there's hmm. I think it's something different. Anyways, like why don't we let's ask do the first question? Yeah, let's just do the first question, which was what who's your all-star team? Who's your all-star six team right now? If we were to have a have to choose right now and I don't know, maybe we will have some all-star games <laughs> during Overwatch League too. This question is so hard for so many reasons. First know, of all, it's it's a team game and team play matters a lot more than individual skills. So A, that makes it difficult. B teams are only successful like apparently teams can only be successful for a certain amount of times like there's so much fluctuation that we've seen um you know how i'll say okay assuming that these people play as a team great and so you're looking at more of them as individuals right just assume if you put all six of these guys they'd be an awesome team if they just have all the intangibles of being a great team which six people would these be like based on just individual Skill. I feel like everyone has Ryu Jae Hong on their team. I feel like that's the easiest <laughs> yeah. pick. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. who doesn't have Jae Hong? Or Toby. Like, you probably have Toby on it as well. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, to- the thing is, in general, it's pretty difficult to, in most of the spots, you can make caveats of, like, well, what about this? What about this? Like, just outright picking six and be like, these are the six best players is not entirely uh, easy to do, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's very diff- building a team is definitely pretty pretty tough too. So there there's a lot of factors that go into to uh, picking players for it. But Jacob, you want to give it a try? Or are you gonna was out like all of us are right now? <laughs> I my crazy thing is if you want to run double DPS, you build a team around Birdring and Flower, which would be okay. really fun. Uh, which means you would probably have to keep your, keep your team all Korean. Um, just to make language barriers not a thing, um, and as as uh, ZPN and Ben mentioned, Toby and Ryu Jong are the easy easy choices they fit in on that mm-hmm. team. I don't know necessarily who I'd pick for tank, um, but uh, I definitely would if I were if they were eligible because they're not yet, um, or rather Flower is not yet. So if he was eligible immediately, I would definitely build a team around Birdring and Flower. I think that that's that is would be my start of what would be a Overwatch League roster. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll see them on the same team, but that would yep. be fun. Okay, uh, we've got another question here from Myth, who uh, has been asking. Actually, he I think he uh, submitted one the previous week, but we had too many questions, so um, it's about coaching. So his first question is about coaching and coaching Overwatch. I've noticed that there is a lack of focus on helping new upcoming coaches improve their skills in coaching. I'm currently a volunteer coach for the R Overwatch University League, and I'm currently coaching a mid-plat team. 
I've been trying and wanting to get better to be able to coach diamond ranked and higher players, but I, I lack resources that are out there to be able to improve. Um, let's see. Uh, I was wondering what you guys thought um, just about, you know, just, I guess, having some of these resources, you know, and, and, and improving some of these, these more mid-level coaches. Um, I don't know. Can you guys think of, I mean, right now, uh, myth, it, it's hard to even get coaches for every single team. That's that, you know, even these pro teams, I would say. So um, I don't think there are any resources right now. Like, I don't know. Well, you guys I know think- of any that, that are just like out there for this particular purpose? And in fairness, I think Beth answers his own question here. Yeah. That he mentions uh, one of the only ways to have a good YouTube channel that puts out tutorials. Mm-hmm. Yes, create content. People aren't going to be able to evaluate you as a coach unless you're giving them an ability to evaluate your decision making, yeah. what you value, how you break down plays. In the end, the most common answer to how to get involved in not just uh, Overwatch esports, but esports in general is make content make stuff that shows what you can do. If all you're trying to do is do stuff behind the scenes and get involved, I mean, maybe that's worked for some people, but it's nowhere near as reliable as trying to showcase overwhelming talent if you do have it. And the way you do that is you put out content on formats like YouTube or streaming or otherwise that show that you have a great understanding of the game. So don't look at this as like, oh, do I have to have a YouTube channel? Like, no, you, that, that should be something you absolutely are taking right now as a requirement because that's a very key resource in getting your name out there to people and going, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think it's also, um, I think it's three things. So I think content is part of that. I think connecting behind the scenes is the other part of that. And then coaching your way up is probably the, the three things that if I were in his position, I would focus on. Um, being connecting and connected to... That's the biggest uh, thing, being connected. Yeah, like like, <laughs> like connect- no question. The big like thing. connect connecting in. There's a bunch of Overwatch discords that exist. Find your way into those, and even if you're not like a high status member, just start meeting some of the people there that linger, pro players, etc. Uh, and then also, I think coaching your way up and as he is. So starting with lower teams and building up your expertise, like as you kind of rank up, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like content is kind of like the marketing part of that. It's like building a portfolio. Um, and unless you're like mega connected, you're probably not getting job recommendations to some of the larger teams anyway. Yeah. So, And to this point here too, is that as we go into season one of OWL, the reality is that there will be a bunch of unproven coaches coaching teams. And I think it's safe to say that a fairly significant portion of those coaches will be exposed. They'll fly them out. Who are these teams going to look for to step up and get involved and be the next generation of coaches? Well, I can tell you that having high-quality content out there that's respected is going to go a very long way in putting you above other people where it's just, oh, yeah, you have a recommendation for a player two, but if you have a recommendation for a player two and a widespread following that's very positive, you've now put yourself way ahead of the pack. Yeah, you guys covered pretty much. You guys covered pretty much a lot of it. I think. I think I would ask. Like, I, I'm going to be extremely harsh here. I, I would ask, like, why do you want to do this in the first place? Because it kind of sounds to me like myth. It's like I want to be a coach. Like, how do I do that fast? And that's no, completely the wrong no way, way to, to look it. at this. Yeah, there's no way to uh, do it fast. The first thing I do is go back two years in time. No, you can't do that. Uh, <laughs> if you're not already a top 500 level player and 
playing with an organized team in organized tournaments on a regular basis, I'd throw this fantasy out of the window because how are you going to get that analysis without being able to play at that level? Uh, so I don't know your background, but it doesn't sound like you're doing those things right now. Um, I, I, maybe not. T- maybe, maybe don't he need is to be- a good player. You don't know if yeah. he's a bad, good or you know. You don't. We don't know actually what what um, you know well, skill level he's at. Yeah. We just know he's a volunteer. So I'm coach. just reading the question. There's a second part to this question here, which I think is important to note here. It's quote: yeah. How would I be able to have a balance between coaching, college classes, and life? And here's the reality about esports. And yes, there are exceptions of people who are able to have a better balance before going all in. But the vast majority of people that have gotten to higher positions in esports hit a point where they said, I am all in on this. I am no longer in school. I am no longer working a main job, wherever they might have been in life at the time. I am going 24-7. You are trying to enter one of the most competitive spaces in esports right now in regards to getting jobs and otherwise. Yeah. The idea that you can do this without going full-time, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but the reality is, is that you're going to be going up against a lot of people that are full-time and are fully invested. Oh, so let's just say it, it, you'd have to be the best coach in Overwatch to be able to part-time coach. You know what I mean? Like, and, and people still want you. Um, that's not realistic. <laughs> so ZP's absolutely right there. I mean, look, we, we had Flame on last week, right? He he was yeah. I mean, going full-time. That's exactly what he did, you know, last I, week. So I feel the need to jump in really quick, though. Okay. Don't. Drop Don't out give of school. <laughs> Don't drop out of Don't school. Don't quit your job. Don't drop out of school. You have to. You can get noticed while you do those other things. That's what I did. Yeah, that's how I. That's what he did. Great him. That's what he did. That's what. I don't know one thing that Kai Kai brings up. Also, and I think Kaka is 100% right here, is that mm-hmm. coaching is something that's all-consuming. It requires yeah. even more time than as a player. You think about how traditional coaches go, where you look at your best coaches and say the NFL like Bill Belichick. That dude sleeps at the office more often than not. He is incredibly dedicated. He looks like he sleeps at the office, too. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the hoodie is very comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. end of the day, I mean, for coaching, you think about what's involved. Not only do you have to maintain an eager eye over everything your team does in terms of scrim hours, personal prep, etc. Even if you have people helping with you in the analyst role, you have to be really casting a wide net in what you're looking at across the entire scene. Trends, what other teams are doing, what other teams have been doing in scrims. Like, you need to have all of this rotating around your mind, and you have to manage it in a way that you're effectively leading your team. So, you know, realistically speaking, there's not really hours in the day to be a good part-time coach yeah should have had kai kai on here to ask this question actually i think i think the the, moral of the story though is like find a way to contribute and and contribute as hard as you can and you will get noticed it may be a year from now maybe two years Mm -hmm. from now but write articles make videos help out your you know if you know how to code like help somebody with a website do these types of things and you'll eventually get yeah, I mean, what you're doing already in our Overwatch University League, that's awesome, man. You know, like, there are, we always talk about the pro scene, but there's this great potential for semi-pro, you know, and all these, like, leagues that are casual leagues and things like that. And totally, you know, there's, there's a lot of room for coaches like that. Hell, you know, I coach my son's basketball team, you know, and stuff like that. That's, you know, gives me a lot of enjoyment too. So, there, you know, there, you don't have to 
ascend to, you know, levels of, of the pro like Kaikai, you know, being a pro coach, um, you know, or a coach for a pro team, you can still get a lot of, um, I mean, make a name for yourself, get a lot of just enjoyment and fulfillment and, and just being, you know, coaching these, these, uh, Overwatch university type of leagues too. So, um, yeah, anyways, just something to think about. It's cool to have people like you, you know, in the community that are, are doing these type of things too. And um, don't want to like totally squash your dreams, but you know, at the same time, definitely want to give you a little bit of reality too, so you know what you're getting into. But okay, guys, I think that's it. Let's wrap it up. Uh, it's been a great episode, and um, you know, want to thank Jacob for coming on, just you know, uh, returning to the show as a guest. But any shout outs you want to do before you take off, bud? Uh, shout out to ESPN for allowing me to do my job. Uh, yeah. It's been been pretty great covering overwatch the last few months has been super fun and shout outs to the r competitive overwatch subreddit for keeping me on my toes and constantly di having discussion uh they are right now my favorite subreddit on uh, the reddit <laughs> yeah. website uh yeah, where the league of legends subreddit is uh still very hostile so i i like going into the competitive overwatch subreddit and having intelligence discussions about this game so yeah keep up the good work man you're like the you. guy that keeps coming out with like all the yeah by the way we've never even talked about the fact that jacob wolf is not only an espn journalist covering overwatch but has like has broke the story for like six of the teams mm -hmm. in the last like month so keep it up man yeah absolutely thank you uh zp the doom fist mm -hmm. do some shout the outs fist uh, shout out as usual. Uh, follow me uh, at TepoZP. Definitely check out Contenders this weekend. The EU Super Week starts on Friday uh, on a more EU-friendly time, but uh, looking to finish out the regular season strong, and then we'll see what teams uh, end up making their way to LA uh, later this month. Yeah, awesome. Or I guess it's early next month, but yeah, close enough. Yeah, keep up the good work too there. Uh, fish Sticks, how about, or Ben? <laughs> what I call you Fish Sticks out of nowhere. Like, but uh, and you got any shout outs you want to do? You can call me Fish Sticks, Chris. <laughs> it's uh, a weird call. I don't know, man. Dude, th there's all these things that I wanted to like, probe Jacob on more, but we didn't even have time. Uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe for next the leaks, time. The uh, leaks. Probe me away. Everybody say, oh, probe me away. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Contenders is wrapping up. Tune into that. Apex is wrapping up. Tune into that. Overwatch League is starting to suit. <laughs> starting, starting pretty soon. I mean, we're still like a, another month and a half from BlizzCon, but BlizzCon should be good times. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. All right. So Val oh. doesn't get pushed back anymore. It's supposed yeah. to be, uh, supposed be quarter three of 2017 a year ago. So let's let's hope that it actually starts on time. Uh, maybe earlier <laughs> maybe earlier really okay sounds like uh, i don't know sounds like things are on at least closer to schedule uh, at this point and uh, when they start telling us things you know it's good you know right or at least you know things are starting to, to move along well uh, but anyways thanks everybody for watching you know just our um i don't know we might actually be starting to do this regularly at this time but thanks for staying up if you guys did stay up to watch the show um, you can find the overview on, um, obviously, YouTube. The VODs are going to be on YouTube. All the audio channels, so iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud.com slash Whichever way you want to listen to it, you can listen to it. Um, and if you enjoy the show, go and leave us a good uh, five-star review on iTunes. It really helps out when people are looking up uh, Overwatch podcasts. 
And again, I want to thank uh, Harry's for sponsoring this episode. They are awesome and we'll always remember our first. So um, go to harrys.com and slash overview. And uh, if you're looking for some razors, need some razors because your neck beard is just growing crazy, go and buy them there because they're you know, definitely going to help us out. Uh, but other than that, guys, that's going to be it for the overview tonight. So for Jacob Wolf, ZP, Fish Sticks, and myself, Chan Man V, we'll see you next week. <laughs>